Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Milwaukee Brewers 7, the Cleveland Indians 1. The Milwaukee Brewers take the first game of the three-game weekend series against the Cleveland Indians. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And last night was a bit of a rough one. The Indians did not hit, their bullpen faltered, and everybody was pissed at the home plate umpire for his strike zone. So how did it go down? How did it all happen? You know, we can't control the umpire. Everybody was very pissed. Everybody was tweeting out that it was one of the worst called games. This is an excuse for robot umpires. Uh, I guess the hitting coach for Milwaukee got tossed out. And according to Zach Meisel's tweet, uh, threw a couple of good expletives out there on his way out of the game. So, uh, you know, we can't control that. We're just going to look at the game. It seemed like it was like that against both teams, right? We got a couple of... Uh, calls outside of the strike zone. They got a couple of calls outside the strike zone. So we'll just go with the numbers. They are what they are. Uh, really, uh, we had opportunities, and uh, we couldn't do anything with them. So there we go. All right, how did it all go down? It was Carlos Carrasco going against Corbin Burns. Now, this is uh, not Corbin Burnson who played Roger Dorn in the movie Major League, this is Corbin Burns, and uh, he's been pitching for two seasons for Milwaukee and uh, has bounced back and forth this season as it seems like a starter and a reliever. He's been more of a starter recently. He's 2-0 and now on the season with a 2-3-5 ERA. They both pitched great last night. Actually, they have very, very comparable lines. Burns went six innings, three hits, one unearned run, two walks, and seven strikeouts. Carrasco went six innings, six hits, one earned run, three walks, and seven strikeouts. So they both strike out seven in six innings. So uh, it was, yeah, it was a pretty comparable battle until the seventh inning. All right, some fun stuff did go down at the beginning of the game. Uh, Carlos Carrasco got himself into a little bit of trouble to start the game. He gives up a single and a walk to start the game. Not how you want to see things going, but he gets Yelich, Giorko, and Vogelbach to all strike out to get out of the jam. He got Yelich swinging, Giorko looking, and Vogelbach swinging. Uh, It looked like his uh, changeup was really working last night. I think he got a lot. I don't know the exact numbers, but of the seven strikeouts, it feels like a lot came on the changeup. The Indians, they get Burns into a little bit of trouble. They double to start the game from Cesar Hernandez. And then Jose Ramirez pops out, Lindor grounds out, and Santana grounds out. So not uh, not the start either team thought they were going to get when you get the leadoff guys on like that. When you get the leadoff guys into scoring position like that, neither team can move the runner over. Neither team can do anything with it. And we've seen a lot of Indians rallies come up short because they can't move a runner over because they can't get that guy in. Carlos Carrasco did allow some base runners last night, but it was uh, some defensive plays that got him out of it. Uh, Mostly double plays. He, uh, he gets a double play in the third after a leadoff walk. And then in the fifth inning, he gets a fun double play uh, after a, giving up a leadoff single. This time he gets uh, 
Keston Hiura to ground to Cesar Hernandez, who tags Ben Gamble out. Ben Gamble could have run him over. Ben Gamble could have stuttered in the base path and made him chase him. Instead, he kind of just runs right up to Carlos Cesar Hernandez and lets Cesar Hernandez tag him. And then Cesar Hernandez was able to make the throw to first base to get Hira going uh, just a step before the bag, just half a step before the bag. They didn't need to review it or anything. It was clearly out. Uh, yeah, if you're Ben Gamble in that situation, you got to do whatever you can to let the runner behind you get to the bag safely. So he could have run back towards first and made Cesar Hernandez chase him. He could have tried to run through Cesar Hernandez and run through the tag. Uh, there were a lot of choices there, and he did the one that gave up the double play. So good for Carrasco, good for the Indians. Now, when did the scoring start? The scoring started in the fourth. The fourth is a weird inning. Yelich grounds out to start the inning, and then Gierko singles to right. Vogelbach singles to left, and uh, Vogelbach is not someone known for going to the opposite field. He is a big, meaty guy that's known for one thing, hitting home runs. He actually just came to Milwaukee. He was just signed. I think they released Justin Smoke. Vogelbach has bounced around since leaving the Mariners, and since he came onto the scene, since like the first half of his first season, it's kind of been a struggle. He still has the power. He could still hit home runs, but his batting average has continued to drop. And I mean, we'll see if he sticks with Milwaukee, but he was a guy that when he came up, you thought was going to be, you knew he was going to be a low average, high home run guy, but I don't think teams thought his average would be this low, but he singles on a ground ball, to left field, uh, we do get a line out, so now there's two outs, but he walks Jace Peterson. And we will talk about Carrasco's walks in a second because it is the one glaring stat that he's struggling with in 2020. And then Luis Urias singles on a ground ball back to the pitcher. He basically chopped one right in front of the plate that took such a high hop that even though Carrasco was on it, Everybody was safe. Everybody moves up a base. Gierko comes in and scores the game's first run. It was just a weird baseball play. Cresco did absolutely nothing wrong. He fielded his position. But by the time that ball came down, everybody had moved up a base. He does get a ground out to end the threat. So bases loaded. He gets out of it, gives up the one run. It felt like he was walking a bit of a tightrope last night. But I, looking back on it, it that's not really how it went down. He got these double plays. He got out of innings. Um, he actually pitched really well last night. Like I said, the changeup was working, and he was getting the strikeouts again. And when Carrasco is striking guys out, that is a good sign for the Indians. I know that Kluber gets a lot of attention for his strikeouts, and Bauer and Clevenger got a lot of attention for their strikeouts in the past few seasons, but Carrasco can strike some dudes out. So uh, in this new-look Indians rotation, He's got to keep keep this, setting the example by striking guys out and not walking guys, and that is something he is struggling with this season. For the Indians, they get their rally going in the bottom of the fifth against Corbin Burns. Vermeil Reyes walks. Tyler Naquin singles behind him. Josh Naylor then singles on sort of a bloop job to center. Vermeil uh, Reyes kind of had a hold long enough to see if Gamble could come in and catch it. So he's only able to move up one base. So now we got bases loaded for Austin Hedges up to bat. The new Cleveland Indian catcher, Austin Hedges, 
And uh, they said, I think they said Roberto Perez is doing okay. He might, he's day to day right now. He might be back, but Austin Hedges is playing tonight. And if you noticed, he was still wearing his Padres catching helmet. I thought he would get a new paint job when he got back to Cleveland. They had an off day yesterday. They had a chance, but no new paint job. I guess he's going to wear the Padres helmet all season. He strikes out swinging on three pitches, and it was ugly. And with the bases loaded, my man, that's the last guy you want up is Austin Hedges. I know we've been batting the catcher eighth so that we can have our center fielders bat ninth. It's very reminiscent of the way NL teams used to bat the pitcher eighth so that the pitcher wasn't turning things over to the top of the lineup. So there was actually a speed guy turning things over to the top of the lineup. But having Austin Hedges up in that situation with the bases loaded, especially because five, six, and seven in this lineup are hitting, uh, that's rough. But the line of the shields comes up. It's still one out. There's still plenty of chances to bring that run in. And we've always talked about how less than two outs, there are so many ways for that run to come in and score. Well, it wasn't the runner on third that came in to score. It was the runner on second this time. Because Delano DeShields grounds out the third base. Third baseman Urias comes home very quickly to get Fermil Reyes out of the plate. The only play for the catcher is to turn and throw to first base. And unfortunately, the throw hits Delano DeShields. is square in the back, right on his nameplate. And trickles out into right field, which allows Tyler Naquin to scamper home all the way from second. He rounds third and comes home and ties this game at 1-1. DeShields would steal second in the next at-bat, but Cesar Hernandez would ground out sharply to second base to end the threat. So... It was uh, it was an interesting rally by the Indians. They were able to scratch across the run, and the way their offense has been this season, we always talk about just do whatever you have to do to scratch that run across, and Delano DeShields did it. He might have a bruise in the center of his back. In fact, he did come out of this game at some point, and Oscar Mercado go in. I don't know if it was that. I didn't read to see why he came out of the game. Yeah, he's definitely uh, he's definitely going to pay for that run. He's definitely going to have a nice bruise in the center of his back for that one. All right, things fall apart in the seventh. Both pitchers pitch pretty good in the sixth. They get out of the sixth inning, and then Phil Maiden comes in to pitch the seventh. Usually that's a good sign, but it's not going so well for him right now. He walks Urias. That's where the hitting coach for the Brewers got ejected from this game. Jacob Nottingham gets called out on strikes, so it's looking okay so far. But then he gives up a single to Ben Gamble. Urias goes all the way to third. And then Hira doubles, and uh, Urias comes in to score. It is now 2-1, and Gamble goes to third. This ball was a fly ball to right field that Naquin had until the last second. He was tracking it. He was tracking it. He leapt at the wall, and it looks like he took his eyes off of it just for a second as he slammed into the wall. And the ball hits the top of his glove, and he can't squeeze it. And it's a really tough play because naturally, your natural instinct when you make contact with the wall like that is to react to it your body just impacted something and he takes his eyes off the ball a split second if he if the ball comes a split second before he hits the wall I think he holds on to it it was just a really tough play they bring in Ali Perez and things don't go better Yelich uh 
Yelich hits a grounder to Carlos Santana, and this is a play Carlos Santana makes 99 times out of 100. It was just a chopper that just scooted past him. They always say the last hop is the worst, and this is the perfect situation where it, it didn't hop as high, I think, as Carlos Santana thought, and it just scoots under his glove, rolls out in the right field. Uh, um, Cesar Hernandez had been moving to cover first base, so the ball gets past him too out in the right field, and both runs come in to score, and Yelich goes into second. So, I mean, Yelich is the guy you don't want to face with runners in scoring position like that, but he hit a ball that Carlos Santana could have made a play on. He just missed it. And I pulled up the defensive metrics because I heard some people complaining on Twitter last night how this is one of the worst defensive games by the Indians all season. The seventh inning was definitely rough, but I think you'll see the defensive numbers for the Indians aren't too bad so far on this season. Eventually, Ryan Braun would come up as a pinch hitter. He would single up the middle. That would bring in the fifth run. Christian Yelich would score. And then Oliver Perez would get out of it. He'd get Arcia to fly out to center. And he'd get Mark Mathias to line out to right to end the threat. But the damage had been done. Five runs. 5-1 to one Milwaukee, and we'd get into Milwaukee's bullpen, and really, we had nothing against them. Vermeil Reyes walked to lead things off in the seventh, but the next three batters get out. That's when Oscar Mercado came in in the top of the eighth to play defense for Delino to Shields. They would add more runs in the eighth. Karen Check comes in to pitch now. Uh, it's a situation where clearly they're just trying to get Karen Check some work here because they didn't pitch him in some of the high pressure situations in Kansas City. So Karen Check gets into trouble to start the inning, gives up a single to Urias, a weird play where Nottingham gets a credit for a single, but Urias is out at second base. He then gets Ben Gamble to strike out swinging, but. Jacob Nottingham moves up to second on a wild pitch. It doesn't matter, though, because Keston Hira gets an inside low fastball, and he crushes it. He crushes it out to left field. The old adage, the harder it comes in, the harder it goes out. Well, that is true when Karinczyk gives up a home run. I believe it was the first home run he gave up on the season, and Hira destroyed this ball. He was ready for a fastball. He was sitting on it, and he destroyed it. So it makes it 7-1. to one. He walks Yelich, but then strikes out Tyrone Taylor to end the inning. So things are not going well for Karinczyk right now, and we will take a look at the bullpen numbers in a second. That would be all she wrote. 7-1. to one. The Indians really didn't even put, up, put together a threat uh, for the rest of the game, and they would go down to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers did it, seven runs on 12 hits. The Indians, only one run on only four hits. There is nothing impressive about this box score offensively for the Indians. Fermil Reyes did walk twice, but he was 0 for 2. The hits are from Hernandez, Naquin, Naylor, and Mercado. The only extra base hit was Hernandez's leadoff double, and the Indians finished 1 for 8 with runners in scoring position on the day. It was a decent line for Carrasco, but the bullpen. Mayton actually takes the loss in a third of an inning, two hits, three earned runs, a walk, and a strikeout. Some of those runs were inherited runs from Oliver Perez, who goes two-thirds of an inning, one hit, one unearned run, because remember the error from Carrasco, and a walk. Karinczak goes an inning, three hits, two earned runs, a walk, and two strikeouts. 
Simber pitched a clean ninth. So the ERAs are starting to climb from the Indians' bullpen. And actually, if you look at the last seven days, it has not been pretty for some Indians relievers. In three games in the last seven days, Karinchek's ERA is 19.29. He's given up five runs and two and a thirds inning pitch, four walks, and that home run. It's not in six hits. It's not looking pretty right now. His whip is up to 4.29. Now, this is just over the last seven days. This is not what his season numbers are up to the last seven days. So something is happening. Either there's something in the scouting report changed for Karen check, or he's just walking guys, but they're either laying off pitches that they weren't before in the season. And they're sitting on pitches and hitting pitches that they weren't earlier in the season. But Karen check definitely has some stuff that he needs to work out. Things are also not looking great for Phil Maiden. His ERA over the last seven days is at nine. His whip is at 1.67. He's given up in three innings, three hits, three earned runs, hit a batter, two walks, still getting strikeouts, still five strikeouts. So they're still striking out, guys. But, uh, yeah, there are two guys that we've been kind of counting on in those late leverage situations have really been struggling. The rest of the bullpen is doing okay. Oliver Perez, Wickren, Brad Hand, they're all doing okay over the last seven days. But, uh, yeah, those two guys that we've kind of been counting on all season have been struggling. So we will see if Ruben Niebles and uh, the rest of this coaching staff can work with them and figure some things out, maybe change their pitch sequencing, maybe change their approach a little bit, get these guys back to striking dudes out. MVP for a day, I'll go with Carlos Carrasco. Carlos Carrasco actually pitched pretty good yesterday he did give up three walks and six hits but the seven strikeouts and he held runners he got double plays when he needed them only gave up one earned run so mvp for the day goes to carlos carrasco and carlos carrasco is having a pretty typical carlos carrasco season there are some interesting numbers here now his his best seasons were definitely 2017 and 2018 In 2017, he won 18 games. In 2018, he won 17 games. Stay with me here. This year, he's 2-3, and so his wins, you know, that's why they don't measure everything in wins. But his ERA is back down into the threes where it was in those two seasons. In 2017, it was 3.29. In 2018, it was 3.38. This year, 3.43. So in line with some of his better seasons. His whip is a little high this season. It's 1.33. In those good seasons, it was 1.10 and 1.13. So his whip is a little high, but not terrible. Not terrible at all. Now, here's where some things are concerning. His barrel percentage. So they actually measure the amount of balls that guys barrel up. And I think it has to do with the exit velocity um, off the bat. So now... Because he's pitched so many less innings, the actual total numbers will be skewed, but the percentages will be important here. So in those good seasons, his barrel percentage was 7.4 and then 6.0. Last year, it was 12.8. Last year was a weird season because of obviously the cancer that he was dealing with and the time he missed and coming out of the bullpen. This year, his barrel percentage is at 10, 10%. 
So it is pretty high. His If you take 2019 out, because 2019 is an anomaly season, it is the highest of his career. The exit velocity off him is also up. It had never been over 90 miles per hour before. It's at 90.6. It had always been in the high 80s. The other numbers that are a little bit concerning is the hard hit percentage. Again, you would expect this with the barrel percentage up, the exit velocity up. His hard hit percentage is over 40 for the first time in his career. Again, we're taking 2019 out, an anomaly season. And his walk rate is way up. This is what's concerning. His strikeouts are actually in line. He's doing pretty good. His strikeouts in 2017 was 28.3% K rate, 29.5% K rate in 2018. This year it's at 29.4% K rate. So he's doing good on the strikeouts, but his walk rate had always been in the fives. Always around five, five and a half percent walk rate. This year it's at 11.1. So there you go. Even though his ERA is in line with everything else, his walk rate is way up, and that is what's causing him to have some trouble. He's getting hit hard when he's getting hit, slightly, slightly harder than in the past. I'm, these numbers aren't astronomically higher as far as hard hit rate goes, but he is getting hit a little bit harder than in the past, but he is definitely walking more guys this season. So that is something to keep an eye on for Carlos Carrasco. Some other numbers for him on this season. His uh, his chase percentage, so the, the plate discipline numbers against him, and these are from Baseball Savant this time because uh, Fangraphs was not updated this morning. So we're on Baseball Savant, which is the StatCast website for MLB. And his chase rate had always been in the 30s, always a, a mid-30% chase rate. This year, it's down to 26.5% chase rate. So he's not getting as many guys to chase, which could be a reason why he's walking guys more. Also, his uh, his first pitch strike seems to be in line. It's just slightly below his career average at 60% first pitch strike. And his uh, his whiff percentage is in line. Obviously, we said he's getting the strikeouts. His career average is 30.1. He's at 31.4% whiff percentage. So he is getting the swings and misses, but he's not getting guys to chase, and that could be why he's giving up so many walks. All right, those are the deep dives on Carlos Carrasco. I also told you that we would take a look at some of the defensive numbers. Now, Fangraphs has some pretty advanced defensive numbers, and one day we will do a full breakdown on him. But just so you know where the Indians rank, the total defense, this this is the big overall number that Fangraphs users, it's just called defense, D-E-F, the Indians actually rank 7th in baseball right now with a 7.0 defense. The Athletics are best in the league at 10.4. So we're definitely in the top of the league in overall defensive rating, which is good. This is one of those stats where I think this time league average is set to zero. I know in a lot of the hitting stats, you know, the, the things like uh, runs created plus, weighted runs created plus, OPS plus, league average is set to 100. In a lot of these defensive metrics, league average is set to zero. Now, the two big stats that 
Fangraphs loves using is defensive runs saved, which is DRS, and ultimate zone rating, which is UZR. So there's a lot of things that go into these numbers. But just so you know, in DRS, defensive runs saved, which takes into account things like runs saved from outfield throws, runs saved from double plays, different things like that. The Indians rank seventh again. They have an 11 DRS, which is good, which is really good. The best in the league is the Dodgers here at 25. The White Sox 24. So the White Sox actually have a pretty good defense going. The other one is user zone rating. This is a stat that tries to balance uh, the different positions, quantify the different values of different positions on the field. Again, another time we'll take a real deep dive into this. But in user zone rating, we're a little bit lower. We're 10th in the league. We're at 4.0. We're above zero, which is good. The best in the league here is the Athletics at 11.4. And then the Rockies at 10.3. The White Sox are just above us. They're at 4.4. So defensively, as far as the defense, advanced defensive metrics go, the Indians are actually looking pretty good defensively on the season, which I think you probably could have could have guessed based on I mean, we have a pretty stellar infield our outfield i know has been lacking but uh, the outfield hasn't killed us domingo santana has hurt but the rest of the guys that have played outfield even though they haven't been hitting we know naquin can play out there he's got an arm bradley zimmer is good oscar mercado delino to shields slamming into the wall in kc the other night and even luplo and naylor have shown to be competent outfielders and we have the some of the best defensive catchers in baseball so i think you could have expected us to be doing pretty decent but now you at least have some numbers to kind of go off of on why the indians are doing so good so far this season now Milwaukee is not a good hitting team, and they're not really a great pitching team. Milwaukee is fifth to last in OPS. Cleveland is seventh to last. We're just slightly above them. Uh, In batting average, Milwaukee is second to last in the entire league. Cleveland is one, two, three, four, five, sixth to last in the league. So offensively, these two teams are comparable right now. But as far as pitching goes... We definitely are doing a little bit better than them in pitching. In ERA, Cleveland is second in the league behind the Dodgers. Milwaukee is just below league average in ERA. In ERA plus, this is again where league average is set to 100. And a few other things go into ERA plus that go into, it's adjusted for ballparks. So the Indians are actually best at ERA plus at 168. The best pitching staff in baseball right now with ERA plus. Milwaukee, again, below league average at 97. Now, I will tell you the one thing Milwaukee does is they do strike dudes out. Milwaukee is second in the league at strikeouts. Cincinnati is actually first at 11.11 strikeouts per nine innings. Milwaukee is at 10.5. The Indians are third at 10.2. So that is something the Indians struggle with is strikeouts, and Milwaukee knows how to deliver them. So that's the one thing their pitching staff can do. And we will see what happens tomorrow and as this weekend continues. Hopefully, this will be like the KC series where we stumble out of the gate but come back to win the series because we have been winning series lately and we got to keep that rolling. Actually, in the overall standings, we're a half game now behind the White Sox. 
tied with Minnesota as far as um, we're, we're we slightly above them in percentage because we're 23 and 15. They're 24 and 16. They've played two more games than us. We're both a half game back of the White Sox. So we got to hang in there and win this series. It's going to be Aaron Savali back on the mound against Woodruff for the Brewers. So we will see if the Indians can put together some rallies and bounce back tomorrow against Woodruff. Woodruff is a righty, so expect those lefties to be in the lineup for the Indians tomorrow night. All right, those are all my thoughts. I gave you a lot of numbers today. We got some Carrasco numbers. We got some defensive zone ratings, so a lot of stuff to let it sink in, and we will see how the Indians bounce back tomorrow. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Cleveland, it was the Brewers 7, the Indians 1. We'll be back tomorrow to see Aaron Savali, how he does on the mound. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm, forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings. You can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.